0: Now well, we come to that point in our service that we describe as the fencing of the table. Our goal in doing that is not to erect a fence so high that we believers feel they can't come to the table of the Lord. This table is for Christians, strong and weak, afflicted believers, struggling believers, those who are strangers and pilgrims on the earth seeking water and food for their souls in the midst of the wilderness i want to read to you in galatians chapter 5 where we have a description made of those who walk in the flesh and those who walk in the spirit I want to warn you before we read that you're not to understand that you will never see any of the works of the flesh in your heart. When God makes you a Christian, he doesn't glorify you. He begins to sanctify you and make you holy. And then when you look at the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, you're not to imagine that this fruit is going to be the ripest that it can ever be. You're to look for evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And then you're to recognize the war between these two things. And Paul tells us that. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And really that's the mark of the Christian. More than anything. That he is at war. He is at war with sin in his life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revellings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such that is no law. And they that are Christs have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The Lord's table is for the Lord's people. You need to be right with God through faith in Jesus Christ and you have to be right with the church. And by that I mean that it is the church that opens and shuts privileges of church membership to those who desire to come to the table and partake of these privileges. So those two things are important. And to be right with Christ makes us want to be right with the church because we are his disciples. The table of the Lord is for the Lord's people in that context. But the the table of the Lord is not for angels. The table of the Lord is not for glorified saints. We do this until he comes and after that there's no more Lord's Supper. We are in the eternal feast to which this merely points. The Lord's table is for Christians on the way to Zion. And they pass through the valley of Begah, the valley of Weeping. And therein they dig up wells. And when they dig and they can find the water table, God in his mercy opens heaven, sends the rain, and fills their little pools with water. And so they go onward from strength to strength, and every one of them shall appear before the Lord in Zion. Who are they? They are those who, by God's grace, in principle, have rejected the world and the flesh. They haven't completely conquered it. They have rejected it. Suppose there was someone saying, I'm a Christian, but there's been like no evidence of holy desires in his life. He's still a drunkard. He's still an idolater. He's still given unto witchcraft and, and uncleanness and all those things. Well, evidently, that man's profession would be false. Because the people who do not turn from these things but persist in them They have no place in the kingdom of God. But Paul says such were some of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And you were washed. And you were being sanctified through the ongoing work of grace. And so the spirit comes into our lives. And he begins to produce the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Where there was no love for Christ. Now there is some love for Christ. And as we grow and mature, there can be even more and more and more love for Christ. Whereas we had no peace, there is now some peace. Whereas we were harsh, we're gentle. Whereas we had no faith, we have faith. Whereas we had no self-control, but we gave rein to our appetites. Now we have self-control. Because we're striving to live godly in Christ Jesus. As I said, this does not mean there is no struggle. Struggle is the sign of life. present. There is no struggle where there is only death. The struggle comes in when a new principle is implanted into our souls by grace. And now we find the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus at war with another spirit within our members. And it can bring us to the point where we cry, even as Christians, Who can deliver me from the body of this death? Do you know where the answer is? Do you know where the answer is for that struggle? It's right there. In what is represented and sealed and applied to you in the Lord's Supper. Christ for our justification. Christ for our sanctification. Christ, ultimately, for our glory. Glorification. So we want to invite now, we'll sing a psalm, and as we sing that psalm, I want to invite all of those who've been received into Communicant membership to come forward and take your place at the table together with our brother who has been uh, invited to come as a, a member from a visiting congregation. And so if you take your seats at the table, if you leave the three seats in the middle here for myself and the elders, and then fill up from the background, and if you can leave the middle seats in the back for any mothers who have young children, that would be appreciated. So please come to the table, though trembling, maybe for the first time, and as I know it is for some of you, come trembling in your own weakness, but rejoicing in the strength and sufficiency of Jesus. Let us sing a few verses from Psalm 118 as you come to the table. Bring your psalters with you. We sing from verse 15, as many verses as we need. In dwellings of the righteous is heard the melody of joy and health. The Lord's right hand doth ever valiantly. When you come to your place, please take your seat at the table. in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So our Lord Jesus appointed this ordinance in the simple signs of bread and wine. The bread remains bread and the wine remains wine. But yet Jesus Christ has appointed this to feed the souls of His believing people, as we look through these elements unto Him, we remember Him, and He feeds us by His gracious holy Spirit. Well, in that warrant, we learned that the Lord Jesus Christ, before He distributed the elements, He gave thanks to the Lord, and so we will give thanks to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven. We come to thee. And we give thanks, Lord, that thou hast given us the gift of thy son. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We thank thee that God was manifested in the flesh, that he suffered the contradiction of sinners against himself, that no man took his life from him, he had power and used it to lay it down. And he had power to take it again. We thank thee for these simple repre- representations of the whole of our salvation. That our, our Lord Jesus Christ had a true body and a reasonable soul. And he offered that body and soul unto God as a sacrifice for sins. We see it in the rendering of this bread. O Lord, our God, teach us of the sufferings of Christ. We thank thee for his blood that was shed. And we read in scripture that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given thee the blood as an atonement for thy soul. The wages of sin is death. The payment is life for life. And we thank thee, O Lord, our God, That Jesus Christ poured out his life in death as symbolized through his blood, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanseth us from all sin. We, as thy people at this table, we know what we are. We could could know much more of the extent of our sins, but we do know this, O Lord our God, that we are not here because we are worthy. We are here because we are sinners who have learned that Christ is worthy. And everything we see in these elements, Lord, we need for our souls. Come, man, and feed our hungry souls with Christ the bread of life. Come and apply the benefits of his redemption to us, that we will know strength in the way. Rejoice our hearts. Stir up the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we distribute the elements, it's our custom to give a table address before we have the elements, and then another brief table address after we've partaken of the elements. And I want to continue the theme of awakening. So in Zechariah chapter 13 the father made the sword awake against the son. But that requires a response from our hearts as believers because it's not only the sword of divine judgment that is found in scripture at times sleeping but far too often it is Christians themselves who are found sleeping. Psalm Solomon chapter 5 verse 2 I sleep of my heart wicket. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. Here, by the way of this image, the church of the Christian is found in a kind of semi-conscious state. And our Lord comes to us, and he Knocks at the door and the bride stirs somewhat, but she's recently gone to bed and she's drifting off to sleep. She's got dressed for bed, doesn't want to get out of her warm bed, go to the door, let someone in. And so, in this sleepy condition, she refuses to open to her Lord. And the Lord, in his kindness, persists and he reveals. More of himself. He reaches his hand in and moves towards the lock of the door, and the shulamite is gradually waking him up. And, and she says that her bowels were moved for him, but still she stays. <coughs> and eventually, her affections are warmed. And she goes to the door, only to discover that after her stirring, the Savior has withdrawn. What happens next? She begins a search. She doesn't say, oh well, back to bed for me. She goes out into the city, and her search is painful. She meets meets the watchman, and they beat her. She encounters the daughters of Jerusalem, and they don't understand her. They ridicule her to a certain degree. But the Shulamite does not say, well, the Savior has gone... And there's nothing that I can do. She's frantic. She's determined that she must have him in her arms. And when she's searching for her Lord, a question is put to her. And I think it's a very important question that we put to our own souls today because we can come to this table and feel a little bit like a snowman, half awake, half asleep. And the Lord is saying, a we, a we, or soul, stir up your affections. How does it happen for her? Well the daughters of Jerusalem ask her a question.
1: Why does thy beloved more than another beloved
0: Hold thy prayers and my woman? Why does I beloved more than another beloved that thy dost so charge us? A moment ago he wasn't very much to her, she wouldn't even get out of bed for him. The Nominus the daughters of Jerusalem say, What's the big deal about your beloved? Why are you so frantic to find him? And she begins to answer the question. And she says, Oh my God, everything about him is beautiful. He's the cheapest of ten thousand. His eyes are beautiful. His head is beautiful. His cheeks are beautiful. His hands are beautiful. His legs are beautiful. His mouth is most sweet. Thank you for the question, O daughters of Jerusalem. You have forced me to remember how glorious my Redeemer is. And all I can say is this in conclusion He is altogether this is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Lord's Supper so reminds you that the person of Christ is beautiful. He is both eternal God, and He is bone of our own and flesh of our flesh. He is our kinsman. It reminds us that the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorious, that He should pour out His soul an offering for our sin. It reminds us that the offices of Christ are glorious. That He is a priest who sits upon His throne in heaven and ever lives to make intercession for us. So even now, as we come to this table and seek Him, He prays for us. He is the great prophet who teaches us by His word and Spirit, even by His visible word, the will of God for our salvation. And He is glorious in His seats, that He humbled Himself. And was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, for which cause God had highly exalted him, and gave him the name which is above name, that at the name of Jesus everything should fall, the things of heaven, the things of earth, the things on the earth, and that every tongue should confess, as you are confessing here today, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God. His mouth is most sweet. He kisses also the kisses of his mouth. It's the word of sacrament today. O believers, say within your soul, How foolish I am to sleep, but this has awoken my soul. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. For daughters of Jesus. He did it in the same night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed. He took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is broken for you." because this is the New Testament against blood, and that is put an end to all bloodshed because he by his blood sacrificed for sin hath put sin away and sat on at the right hand
1: of the Father.
0: But it reminds you of really the profundity of the gospel, because Christ is the feast, and is more represented in these elements, more represented in these. That fullness that we spoke of last night is even to satisfy so the soul of the believing sinner for all the time and all eternity. Well then, a word of exhortation as we rise from the table, and I want to continue along the theme of Awakening. The Lord brings us into the table, and many He sends us back right into the world. A day is coming, and there will be no more people. The Lord Jesus Christ will come again, and we will be forever with Him. But he brings us in to send us out. The sword that awoke against the sun. Is to motivate us. To rise. And to be awake in the Christian life. And it's interesting how many times. Believers are exhorted in these terms. Romans chapter 13.11. following, And knowing. That the time. That now. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Think how many times believers in the scripture were sleeping. Jonah was sleeping on the book. The disciples were sleeping in the garden. The disciples were also sleeping on the Mount of transfiguration. And here the Lord rebuked them and said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to uh, awake and arise from the dead and Christ to give us life. And here Paul reminds us that with the present issue of the gravity of life and the shortness of time, it is no time for a Christian to be saved. And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we will. Every day you're, you're alive, the final day is one day closer. Every day you live, the day of your death is one day closer. Every one of us now is closer to death than we were when we walked in sword this morning. And the urgency of time is used in scripture as a motive for us to deal with the issues of our soul and I want to speak to those of you who are not trusting in Christ we not challenge you with the same words that the apostle brings to the Romans it is high time to awake out of sleep it's past time to have a wake out of sleep you say, well, I can't weaken myself up. God knows that. God knows you can't repent in your own strength. God knows you can't believe in your own strength. God knows you can't weaken yourself up in your own strength. God knows you can't raise yourself from the dead in your own strength. He commands you to do all those things in the Bible, and he doesn't give you the excuse of sitting there saying, well, I just have to leave. There was a man with the withered hand in the Bible he couldn't use his hand. And Jesus told him to stretch with his hand. And if he was to apply your logic, he would tell Jesus to go away and stop mocking him because his hand didn't work. But Jesus told him to do it. And because Jesus told him to do it, he did it. Now he didn't do it in his own strength. But he did it because... Christ commanded him to do it. And guess what happened? When he obeyed the word of Christ, he found that the hand that didn't work, suddenly worked. That's how the gospel works. When you're commanded, you take God at his word, and you dare to do what he says. If he says, come to me, you come to me. If he says, repent of your sins... You turn from your sins and you come unto Christ. If he tells you to waken up, you listen to that call, you sit full upright, and you say, It's high time that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm another day nearer death. I'm potentially being cut off into eternity. I say to you, It's high time. It's a past time, long past time, for many of you to awake out of your soul. The Bible says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Make this your chief priority in life. Don't keep putting it off. Christ never says, wait. He always says, come. Now. Now is the exact time. Now is the day of salvation today if you hear his voice, harden on your heart. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm hearing his voice. Really? Understand me when I say this. When you hear my voice today, you hear his voice. I'm not saying I'm Christ, but this is his word. Okay? This is his word. This is Christ speaking to you through a clay vessel. And he tells you to come. He tells you to come. But then to the believers, those who are trusting in Christ, what are you to do? You're to use this means of grace to fortify you in strength, to waken up from all of your spiritual slothfulness, to put on the whole armor of God, and to cast off all the works the flesh. This is a battle scene here. On the one hand, you're to put on all the armor of God. The shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes prepared for the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, all of those things. But it's interesting that after telling us to put on the whole armor of God, the last verse tells us put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, he is the whole armor of God. Clothe yourself with Christ and his strength. You step out of this place. In fact, it's going on right here. This table is prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Demons the devil himself. hating this. Ready to attack. And the Lord brings us to his table and he feeds us. What is he giving? He's giving you more resources here. He's giving you strength for the fight. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you put on the whole armor of God. What else do you do in this battle? You make no provision for the flesh. Christ feeds us. He is our provision. We make no provision for the flesh. So we look at sin and we say, We're gonna besiege the city of sin. Where I see it in my life, I'm gonna starve up. I'm gonna blockade the city. I'm going to make sure nothing comes in to strengthen sin in my experience. I'm going to make no provision whatsoever for the flesh. That's holy war. Christ makes every provision for us here, provision for the Spirit. And He says, Go on the strength of this. Waking up. The day is coming. You've only got a little bit of days, once years in your life. Get to the fight. Put on the whole armor of God, and make no provision whatsoever for the flesh. May God bless His word to our hearts. But we will conclude by singing in Psalm 72 of our Redeemer, who is worthy of all our praise. His name, not ours, His name forever shall endure, last like the Son, of shall man shall be blessed, and blessed all nations shall him call. 17th through 19th, Psalm 72. <laughs>